Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein. And today we're going to look at who can be a member in a self-managed super fund. If you're setting up a self-managed super fund, it's worth your while to know just who is allowed to be in there as a member. We'll take a look at the market with Henry Jennings, who's Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, and see what's happening with currency and commodities. What's the story with coal? Stephen Pritchard, we've heard so much about coal and how it's not in uh, demand so much, and Glencore might be in trouble, but uh, what is the story? Oh, well, the real answer is I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, Glencore's um, global chief executive of coal assets was in, in Newcastle this week to uh, give a talk to the Newcastle Business Chamber. And, and his view is that, um, that, that the, the price in the, the fall in the price of gold, um, coal is a cyclical phenomenon rather than a, a long-term fall-off in the demand for coal. And they're quite confident that the price of coal will once again increase. I mean... Being the owner of substantial coal mining assets, you, you, you'd expect that. Um, he would say that he, anyway. He, he, he would say that. But I, th- I think that's right. I mean, these commodities all go through um, um, various cycles and there was a big coal boom in the 1980s. I mean, you know, the price of coal skyrocketed then and lots of people wanted jobs in the mines. Um, and since then, you know, it's gone through another high price and, and it's just adjusting back to back to, back to um, um, what probably is the market price. And... And you know, despite despite what people say, particularly in Australia, um, coal generate using coal to generate um, base load electricity is still the cheapest option. And, and unless people want to pay more for their electricity, which is already very high, um, um, you know, coal's the way to go. Coal's going it. to be here um, for the foreseeable future. Uh, so in our uh, power stations, but not in the ground so much. Oh, in the power stations, um, um, yeah, it's got to be dug out of the ground. I mean, a lot of the coal in in, in this region is exported, of course, and I think the fifth coal loader was approved um, in the last week or so. Whether that actually gets built, I, I don't think there'll be a hurry to build that, but, you know, the approval's there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some some people obviously got long-range forecasts to think the coal business is, is going to continue to expand. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll take his word for it then at this stage. In the meantime, what about other commodities? Other commodities, well, you know, um, pretty pretty similar um, to, to previous weeks. The, the gold price was $1,588.55, although gold shares, are, the gold producers are having a bit of a rise on the ASX the last few days. Um, the silver price is uh, $22.28, which is up 7% on the week. Um, and the copper, which continues to fall, which is copper's are, uh, as a good barometer of economic activity, and it's down to $7,246 a tonne, um, which is down another 2% on the week. So so a lot of the copper producers in Australia are, are struggling because the, the copper's at a long-term um, low price. Um, I think someone told me last week the last price it's been in a decade. Um, uh, nickel, nickel's down 6% to $13,840 a tonne and tin's down about half a percent to $22,252. So, so all the, 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 the commodity, the, the metals that are used to produce um, um, electrical goods and iPhones and all those type of things are continuing to fall in price. So, so that, that's not a good in early indicator of economic activity. We'd like to see those going up. Um, um, the Australian dollar, the Australian dollar has risen on the week. Um, it was up two and a half percent against the US dollar, um, to seventy-two US cents. Um, we're up against the Great British pound of one point two percent to forty-five 
uh, 47 pence, um, and we're up 2% against the um, euro to 64 euro cents. Um, and against the New Zealand dollar, we were down almost one-tenth of a percent to $1.09. So the currencies were you know, pretty steady for the week with a small drift up. But once again, you know, the RBF is still predicting that, and a number of economists are still predicting that the, um, the dollar is going to continue to fall over the longer term between um, 65 or maybe even 50 cents. I think Deutsche Bank came out a couple of weeks ago and said... Yes. So, so if you're thinking of going overseas, it might be a bad opportunity to to get some uh, overseas so currencies. Take advantage of a central two up at the moment. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And uh, meanwhile, um, the the, the equity markets. markets. Well, Newcastle, uh, Australia's had quite a good week. We're up three uh, percent um, for the week to five thousand two hundred and twenty-eight. Um, I would have thought the market was likely to drop below five thousand last week, but but we never quite got there. Um, uh, the Dow Jones was up three point eight percent to the week to sixteen thousand nine hundred and twelve, um, and the London FTSE index, which is the Financial Times index, was up uh, 5% to 6,336. And the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong index, which is, uh, has a lot affected by mainland China's, uh, was up uh, 8% for the week to 22,515. So, so overall, the world equity markets were up for the week. Uh, the oil price was up too, to $66.33 a barrel for weeks tests intermediate which was three percent up and of course the petrol price because i did get some petrol last week <laughs> uh, the unleaded petrol price was a dollar 33 a litre um which is up four percent for the week and a dollar 21 a litre in sydney so they were actually down nine percent of the week so you know we're back to uh, a 12 cents a litre price differential which no one can seem to explain between sydney and newcastle and uh, the diesel price in newcastle was a dollar 29 a litre and sydney was a dollar 23 a litre which is no great movement on last week to a new rfm nat king cole it is 25 past 12 and this is thursday finance for our sponsor pritchard and partners and we're joined now by henry jennings who's senior commentator with marcus today financial newsletter stephen pritchard our market update hi uh, henry i hear you're in melbourne hi, today Stephen, how are you this morning wasn't it nice Good. listening to nat king cole yes relaxing relaxing very relaxing Relax. great song that's what we need to do relax more well the, mar- the market seems to be relaxing at the moment yes. it's certainly all the risk is uh, is being taken off the table it appears we're having uh, big days of rallies which is great so now it's up i thought it was going to get below five thousand but we never got there well, it did get below 5,000 a couple of times on, on the spike down around the sort of 49.20-ish, um, but it has blasted back as resource stocks are, are back in favour. Mm-hmm. So we're up to uh, 52.42 at the moment, so it's uh, all looking quite positive. Excellent. And so um, Vida, Vida looks like they're, they're going to be gobbled up by um, some overseas company called Equifax. Yeah, well, Vita's a credit ratings uh, sort of uh, business, and they look as if their their US uh, one of their US sort of competitors is going to take them out. That at the moment they've they, they've previously bid two dollars seventy, and then they've upped the bid slightly um, to two eighty two and a half, and the uh, the board has has said yes. So I guess it just remains to be seen for the uh, the eyes to be dotted and the t's to be crossed. 
for the deal to go through. There might need a few uh, regulatory uh, approvals, but uh, it shouldn't be too much of a problem, I would imagine. Mm, you wouldn't have thought that. It, uh, you would have thought, you know, with with all the new credit reporting requirements that are coming in or in the process of being introduced, and these peer to peer lenders that are going to rely on credit ratings even more, um, that, that Vita's a, a growth business, and you wonder whether Equifax is buying it cheap. Well, it's, it hasn't been listed for very long. Um, and yes, I mean, it, they could well be getting a, a pretty good bargain, I guess. Um, there's, um, you know, there's, there's a big look now at uh, big data and trying to analyse uh, people's spending habits as well as their credit rating um, to ascertain whether it's worth lending to them. And certainly that, that's a big movement in the US. So maybe this is part of that, uh, part of that move as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And speaking of buying things cheap, uh, KKR has acquired ten percent of Oz Minerals. Yeah, this is this is, this is another interesting. One. I mean, this is, I guess, one of the one of the things that sparked the recent rally in resource stocks is the uh, the barbarians at the gate. For those listeners that can remember that far back, um, KKR famously uh, took a took a big swipe at RJR Nabisco back in the uh, the late eighties. Uh, to take them over, and there was a famous book written about them. The, the the barbarians are back at the gate of resource stocks, and they've they've bought nearly a ten percent stake in Oz Minerals, which was bombed out, unloved, as were all the resource stocks. Um, and uh, it looks as if it's been quite a shrewd move on their behalf, and certainly well timed. And it has kind of focused, I guess, the potential for resource stocks. Um, and uh, Oz Minerals got down to three twenty six. And they're currently 426. So um, there's been some uh, some big gains there with uh, with these guys uh, bashing at the door. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. Uh, there's been some media analysis and, and some analysis reports to say that um, the resource stocks, that at least the ones that are producing and have got cash in the bank, as distinct from expiration stocks, um, yeah. uh, might might actually be in bargain territory at the moment. And this this seems well, to have confirmed. Yeah, I mean, there, there has been a, a lot of uh, speculation of that, and a lot of high-profile brokers have come out. Morgan Stanley came out last night and upgraded their mining stocks as well. Um, so it has sort of shone the light. We did have some serious gyrations um, last week, which we spoke about in a stock called Glencore, which is the world's biggest commodity trader. There's still obviously some concerns around the resource sector, and there's concerns about Chinese growth, which have been uh, plaguing the market. But at the moment, uh, everybody got short resources, everybody got short commodity prices, everyone got short the Aussie dollar, and there's a sort of a a big squeeze going on at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting scenario. And then um, Bluescape, Bluescape's um, putting a vote to the staff to freeze the wages for three years. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It is. I mean, Bluescape have got some serious problems down at Port Kembla, um, and they have threatened to close the, the plant completely, and as a result, they would lose um, around sort of 5,000 jobs and decimate the local economy. So they have come to an agreement with the unions where they will um, put a pay freeze in place for around three years um, and save a whole heap of jobs. It's yet to sort of be um, um, agreed by the Blue Scope board, but certainly it's, it's looking more promising for the operation down there. Um, but it's still, you know, Blue Scope still have to take out around $200 million in costs um, to make that business viable. So still very much under the, the sort of the knife potentially, but it has got potential 
guests to uh, to save the plant down there. So a lot of hands went up, I guess, to save their jobs as it would really hurt the, mm. the area uh, big time. And the other thing that's going to affect Bluestop is the, the looming closure of the car industry. There's going to be less demand for their, their steel production as well. Well, that, that, that's right. I mean, I guess in terms of Bluestop, they've got the speciality steel with, with colour bond and things like that. So the uh, the housing boom is, is, is a, a, big, uh, a big plus for them. But yeah, you're right. With, as the car industry closes down, that's that's going to put some some pressure on them again. And then, speaking of job cuts, Horizon's proposing to cut 800 jobs to uh, to, to to reduce their cost base. Is this is because there's less um, resource stocks, uh, less resources being transported? Yeah, but I mean, basically, uh, Horizon is is a rail group. Uh, for um, for those that remember it, it was floated by the Queensland government as Queensland uh, QR National, and then changed its name its name to Horizon. Um, they're looking to slash about 380 million bucks out of the business in the next three years, cutting 800 jobs. The resource slump has been blamed for this. Due to commodity prices, obviously affects the amount of bulk materials, coal, iron ore that they cart around the place. So um, they are looking at cutting back uh, through voluntary redundancy. Um, but um, it remains to I mean, this has always been, I guess, a cost-out story, the, uh, the QR National, or mm-hmm. as it's called, Horizon. Um, and this was always the, the, the lure for investors that it would be, uh, once it became a private company as opposed to part of the Queensland government, that it would be a continuing cost-out story. And the stock has performed very, very well. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's, the market likes this sort of uh, story in terms of cutting costs, making it more efficient, and, uh, and growing the business that way. Okay. Um, We'll be back in a minute to talk about some bargain hunters that are appearing in the market. There's always bargain hunters. There's always bargain hunters. We all like a good bargain. Thursday Finance and 25 to 1, and we're in the middle of our market snapshot. Stephen Pritchard with Henry Jennings. Back to talk about bargain hunters, Henry. Yes, bargain hunters, Stephen. Why not? Let's talk about the bargain hunters of the world. Australian uh, Australian Foundation, which is an uh, investment company, which is Australia's largest and probably the oldest listed investment company, um, has yeah. come out this week and said they see some um, value appears in the market and they're, they're going to be hunting for it. Well, I guess, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's great for these, these guys. They, they've been around a long time, as you say, um, and they are looking at a market that has fallen you know, 17% odd from its um, highs earlier this year. So um, inevitably, there are going to be some bargains. Certainly, with, you know, the banking sector, we think, offers some, some very attractive bargains at the moment with, with uh, prices now having come down quite a lot and great yields uh, and, and safety of that sort of oligopoly. So um, AFIC is going to try and raise some money. Um, I think they were talking about 100, 150 million bucks um, to pick up and increase the size of the fund and pick up some of these bargains that they see um, around in the market at the moment. So uh, it's, you know, we, we've fallen from nearly 6,000 to to, uh, to 5,000, although we've rallied uh, somewhat since then. So um, it has been pretty positive for uh, for those looking for uh, for bargains. Mm, I mean, 100 million is a drop in the ocean to traffic, basically. It's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a mere bagatelle, but at least, you know, there's a lot of these um, listed investment companies or licks um, that have been raising money in, in the current environment. Um, we've seen uh, you know, things like Future Generation. We've seen um, Anton Tagliaferri as well um, from Investors Mutual raising money, and now we've got AFIC. Um, certainly, this is this is one that uh, retail investors have really liked over the years. So um, it's 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 a good story, good stock, um, and obviously they're, they're taking advantage of these uh, these seemingly bargain prices. 
And, and the other bargain hunter or, or the, the, they claim to be, Washington uh, H. Sol Patterson, has um, yeah. um, got a, a associate we call New Hope Corporation, and it, it's acquired the um, some Hunter Valley coal assets, and they think they've got quite a bargain there too. Well, I, I mean, this is, again, this is... Um this is a, the, the story of, on resources. I guess that at some stage, you know, resources do become attractive, um, and certainly New Hope's uh, chairman, who's a guy called Robert Milner, um, is uh, is saying that um, they're still on the hunt for cashed-up coal mine, you know, for, for coal mines, um, and the coal price has taken a massive, massive fall in the last. Um, few years, so um, again, these guys think it looks pretty cheap. They, they're they're buying a forty percent stake in a, in a in a thermal coal mine in the Hunter Valley called Bengala, um, which is costing them eight hundred and sixty-seven million. I did actually read a report on on Bloomberg that there are some coal mines in uh, in the U.S. that are now being sold for less than a dollar, mm-hmm. as opposed to eight hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. Um, and I also read that the U.K. is looking at going completely. Um, away from coal-fired power stations by 2023 unless those power stations can uh, show carbon capture and, and new technology to uh, improve the climate. So it's, uh, it's an interesting play by these guys, but uh, undoubtedly coal is certainly going to be uh, here to stay for some time, because, especially in Australia. I mean, they've been around for a long time as well, so uh, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. thought. And so... Uh, uh, just changing to financial services, and some people are taking a class action against IWF. Poor old IWF. This is this is. I love this stock because it's got such a great name. The Independent Order of Odd Fellows, um, IWF stands for. Um, so yeah, they're being sued by uh, Maurice Blackburn in a class action for a hundred million dollars uh, for alleged corporate misconduct. Um, so uh, apparently, the uh, the, co- the compliance culture of its re- research team and the, the the failure to reveal problems to shareholders is in question, and you know, IWF's problems with their corporate culture has been well documented um, and in the papers quite considerably. So now we've seen Morris Blackburn, who uh, always on the lookout for um, for a class action, um, <laughs> launching a hundred million buck uh, one of these guys. So um, that one will take some time to play out, I'm sure. But that's only going to affect the shareholders even more if they've got to pay out a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it's good. It's not going to be coming out of the director's pocket, that's for sure. Yeah, is it? I know. So, um, you know, the stock's down a little bit today, but it has has rallied over the last uh, last period of time a little bit from its lows, mm-hmm. um, but it's still very much under the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's probably not going to go too far on the upside in this kind of environment. And um, the ANZ and the, the property councils put out a survey expecting that the uh, growth in property prices over the next 12 months will, will, will um, basically disappear. Yeah, I mean, I mean nothing, um, nothing goes up forever. Um, and we've seen some extraordinary gains in, in property prices over the last you know, three, four, five years. Um, and certainly um, we even saw the RBA this week, which came out and announced there would be no cuts to interest rates. And they talked about how regulatory um, APRA um, sort of um, new new laws, or at least pushing from APRA, is uh, is kind of um, knocking the knocking the head of, um, of, of property prices and, and keeping a lid on them. So I, I guess it's only inevitable that they can't go up forever. And uh, ANZ are now seeing more sideways movement, which which is good because there's lots of people that are predicting you know, massive falls in, in property prices and how overvalued it is, etc. But I think you know that the best that we can hope for is the property goes sideways for a little while while the rest of the world catches up. Yeah, the report didn't predict massive pro- 
falls no, just, just to predict that they, they, they weren't going to always, continue always to go. get good headlines. I think you know there's there's lots of mileage for analysts to come out and predict the end of the world and the end mm. of the property boom. Um, so you know that's that's something they trot out every now and then. It's it's good clickbait for the newspapers as well. Yes, and. Um Coles and Coles and according to cutting prices, Coles are also going to cut prices to drive sales and convert more shoppers to private label products. I mean, I was in Woolworths the other day and they've got this trolley out the front of the store now and yeah. they've got um, the price this trolley would have cost um, in January this year and the price it would have cost now and there's about a 40, I think it's $40 cheaper. But, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, um, good marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they didn't seem to be. Now I'm thinking about. It, there didn't seem to be a lot of private label stuff in there. There was there was mainly well-known brands in there. Um, I mean, I, I think this whole push to private label by these two chain stores is just playing into all these hands. Well, it, it, I mean, it, I think it is to some extent because I mean, the, the thing that people always didn't really like about Audi is that you went in there and you couldn't buy the brands that you actually knew yeah. um, and you loved. And Woolies and Coles were sort of standing out in terms of, you know, we have the brands. And, and of course, if if Woolies and Coles goes to no names and all the home brand stuff, then there's very little to compete with against Audi. Um, except on price. It's it's hard to discern the quality of those no-name brands until you get them home and you try and cook with them. It's a bit like going to Bunnings and buying the garden tools that, you know, as soon as yep. you use them, they fall apart, but they were really cheap. Yep. And there's a reason why they're really cheap. Um, so I, I think, you know, it, it, there is a danger for both Woolies and Coles to go down this path. Of course, they're going to squeeze their suppliers considerably in terms of pricing, um, which will ultimately come at the, the expense of quality. So you'll see that the quality of the product being somewhat less than it should be, perhaps. Um, and Audi being able to, to compete on a level playing field. So their no-name brands against Woolies and, and Coles' no-name brands, what's the difference except for price? So, mm. um, I, I think it, it, is a, um, it is fraught with danger, but Woolies certainly seem to have woken up to the fact that they were um, more expensive um, and they are pushing harder with their, their marketing approach in terms of price cutting. And, of course, a lot of it is to try and get people in the door um, so that they do upspend or, you know, yep. the old McDonald's, do you want fries with that? Yep. And Aldi have been very good at that. As, you know, they send around their catalogues during the week and you go, oh, I wish I, I wanted to buy a chainsaw and a motorbike helmet on, on yep. the same day in the same place and get my get my mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. My, my steak and my veggies um, in, in, the, in the next aisle. So it's, um, it's, it's certainly paid off for Aldi trying to get people in the door through through um, through that kind of thing. And it's, it looks as if both Coles and Woolies are heading down that path as well. Mm, so you think they'll be selling motorbike helmets and chainsaws? Oh, I hope so. I think it's great. I, lo- I love going into Aldi and finding the, the new weird stuff that you can buy yeah. for, for next yeah. to nothing. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I know that uh, we went skiing in New Zealand and I've kitted out the kids with the Audi ski gear. It was, it was like a, it was like a rugby scrum. Yeah. You, 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 I don't really want to mention rugby at the moment. No, no, you just got to be there when they've got those prices on because they, they, they don't have like, yeah. yeah, 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 no. It's, it's, it's fascinating the stuff they get in as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's obviously a strategy that's working very well for Audi getting people mm. in the door, um, through the sort of strange product strategy and, and cheap pricing. And talking of new strategies, the new IAG chief is going to stick with the uh, Asian expansion plans. Yeah, well, IAG hasn't really hasn't really excited since uh, since Warren Buffett took uh, took a, um, a stake in the stock um, some time ago. But they've they've appointed a new uh, a new chief. Um, 
So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It's the guy called Peter Harmer, um, but he seems to be you know, doing all the, all the right things in terms of talking up, but you know, just continuing the same strategy. No one likes uh, a new CEO that comes in and is going to wreck everything they've been trying to achieve in the last few years. So, so maybe that will help uh, IAG with a little bit more performance because uh, at the moment it has been somewhat under a cloud and hasn't really enjoyed any of the rally back that, um, that the rest of the market has done. Mm. Uh, jury's out, but um, hopefully the new guy will, uh, will will do good things. Oh well, thanks for that, Henry. We might speak to you next week and see what exciting right. things has happened during the week. Well, one thing's for sure, Stephen. It's, it's exciting times we live in in terms of financial markets, and there's always something to talk about. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Thanks very much, Henry Jennings, who's senior commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter, and he'll be back next week for Thursday Finance. And we're talking about self-managed super funds, Stephen, and who can be a member. And who can be a trustee. And a trustee. Okay, so there are rules about these. There's rules about everything here in Australia, you know. (laughs) The red tape's being cut, but it seems to be getting worse to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so a self-managed super fund is basically a a fund that you manage yourself, and hence the term self-managed super fund. So what does being a member mean? It means you're a member of the fund. So you, does that mean you can benefit? If you've got a, if you've got some money in there, you can. Right. So you can put money in, and you can. Yes. Later so, so self-managed super funds, just like any other fund, any other superannuation fund, except that the 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 members are generally the trustees, and then the members and straight trustees manage the funds. So there's two types of trustees you can have. You can have a a corporate trustee, or a individual trustee. Now, if you've got a corporate trustee, which is what we always recommend. Um, All the directors of the company uh, must be members of the fund and um, each member of the fund must also be a director of the company. Now, there are certain rules around that, like... um, if you if you want uh, uh, your child your children in as a member, um, so the children can be a member of the the superannuation fund, um, but of course you can't be a director or a trustee for that matter uh, when you're under eighteen. So so instead of that, the legal personal representative, i.e. the parent or guardian, um, can be um, the director of the super fund in replacement of the child. Without being a member or must be a member? As no, well? they don't have to be a member. Okay, so on behalf of the child. Is there a limit to the number of members you can uh, have? Self-managed super funds got a maximum of four members. Okay. Right. Now, one thing that people kind of tend to overlook is that um, the, the trustee of the super fund, whether it's the director or the personal trustee, um, can't be the employer of another member except if they're related. So, for example, I can't be the trustee of any um, um, of my employees' superannuation fund, except, for example, if, if my son happened to be an employee, which 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 he'd like to be get paid. I'm sure. I'm I, don't know, sure. I don't know whether he wants to do any work, but but I could be the trustee of the fund if my son was a member of the fund, um, but not for any of the the staff members. And that's just to to safeguard the the integrity of the system. Now, um, you can actually be a member of the fund but not have any um, fund balance. So you say, so you can be a member of the fund and be a director of the trustee company, but not actually have any money in the fund, just as, just as long as you're admitted as a member of that fund. So normally you need to put the money in yourself, contribute to the fund. Normally there has to be. To well, someone has to contribute money to or the fund, mm-hmm. but, but you can't be a... Um, 
you can be a member but not have a balance in the fund. Right. Yep. Would that happen often? Oh, maybe the most. Maybe. I mean, we, just, just because it's easier, we'd set up the fund if, if, if there was a husband and wife, we'd set it up with both people as members initially. Right. Um, and then um, because it's easy to do it that way and then later on the, either the husband or wife might, might have joined and you don't have to go around changing a whole lot after paperwork again. Now, you can have a single-member fund and, of course, a single-member fund creates problems because uh, uh, under trust law you can't be a trustee for yourself. So when you've got a single-member fund, and this is, this, is a, this is an exemption to the rule, of course, that the, all members must be trustees and all trustees must be members, because a single-member fund, if you've got individual trustees, you can't, you can't be a trustee for yourself because um, you can't hold things on trust for yourself. So, so in, that, in, that, in that case, you're, you're entitled to have an additional member, an additional trustee who doesn't have to be a member, um, but, but they cannot be the employer, employee again, unless they're related. So, so for example, a, com- a common thing on this would be that the husband and wife may be trustee and it may only be the wife who's a member or maybe the husband who's a member. But the husband or the wife, for that matter, couldn't be trustee for themselves because it's just a, a legal impossibility under trust law. Uh, and once again, the same type of rules apply to children. If the children, are, you want the member of the children to be 18, um, the child who's less than 18 doesn't have to be a trustee. Well, they can't be a trustee. Um, now, another important thing that people um, ch- sometimes think is that the trustees cannot be remunerated for services they performed as a trustee. So they have to do it out of the goodness of their heart. Yes, you have to be the trustee of your own fund and you can't get paid for services you perform as a trustee. Now, you can get paid for services that you provide the fund that that aren't provided in your role as a trustee. Now, why, why you'd want to do that, I'm not quite sure. But, for example, if you were a... A, a real estate agent, and you um, had in the, which real estate agents tend to do have in the in the prop in the fund um, some kind of property, and 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 you um, manage that property um, like you manage other properties, um, you can be paid for managing the property, provided it's at the arm's length. So if you're charging you know common. 7% commission to collect the rents on a residential property, um, you can charge your fund the 7%, but you can't charge them, for example, 15%. It, ha- it has to be the arm's length. So a trustee can be remunerated, but it can only be for other services and not as services as for a trustee. administering a- Yeah, you can't, you can't be remunerated for um, just your trustee role. So there are lots of things to think about when you're setting up a self-managed. Uh, you need, you need to give the thought about who's the trustee, and, and there's various reasons why we always recommend a corporate trustee, particularly um, you know members come and go, and particularly if you want um, to bring in um, your children. Mm. Well, that's finance Thursday okay. finance for today, and thank you very much, Stephen Pritchard. We'll be back next Thursday after the midday news on Two and Your RFM.